Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome back, everyone. This is uh, Steve. Alongside me is Sean this week. Uh, we're recording immediately after the Milan-Roma 3-3 draw at the San Siro. This is episode eight of Across the Romaverse here on Chiesa di Totti. So we'll start with a quick rundown of the match for anyone who may have missed it. And then Sean and I will get into the, some of the key talking points from this match. But before we begin, Sean, how are you doing today after this uh, 3-3 draw? I'm all right. I've, I've been hearing about today I've, I've rarely been in one place uh for too long so at this match i was covering the match in the post post game recap at the final whistle I had two screens open and then we got in touch and decided that it's a good day to do a podcast so i think we're getting a little bit addicted to this podcasting aren't we yeah it's a fun it's fun and uh yeah my buddy messes with me he's like oh three in a week uh-huh <laughs> it's a busy week we've got a lot of matches so but it is a it is a good time i enjoy coming on with sean and bren um and just talking about roma i mean that's what we we enjoy doing that's why we write for the site and now we get to actually verbalize it uh out loud so it's a lot of fun um so we'll start with a quick rundown of the match i'll just quickly uh not too many big surprises in the starting 11s it was pretty standard from what you would expect the big change for Milan was uh, Gigi Donnarumma testing positive for coronavirus, so he had to miss out on this one in goal. Uh, and Tataran Rusanu, uh, the Romanian veteran, uh, ended up being a big factor in this match. Uh, his name is a bit of a tongue twister, as you can tell. And for Roman, I'm, I'm was, used to it. I'm used to it because my ex-girlfriend is Romanian. So yeah, oh, good. So maybe you could go ahead, give it a go, so uh, we make sure we say it right. Oh, it's, it's still Tatarasanu. Tatarasanu, yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, and then on the other side, the for Roma, um, based off my projected 11, it was about what I expected. The only big difference was Karsdorp got the start on the right. I didn't even think he was in consideration, but he got the start over both Davide Santone and Bruno Perez. So we'll come back to that uh, later on because that became a talking point too. So both guys who weren't really expected to start earlier in the week became uh, – points of uh, contention for their respective sides and fan bases. So we'll get back to them a little bit later. Um, just a quick rundown of the match events. Uh, plenty of goals to talk about. Uh, a little bit of controversy to talk about too. So Milan started off the game real hot with a Zlatan Ibrahimovic goal on a nice ball over the top from Rafael Leao. Uh, kind of got caught in between Kambula and Mirante. And he, you know, being Zlatan, just had a nice touch, slotted it home. Roma was down early. Roma responded fairly quickly, though, with an Ed and Dzeko header off of uh, a Lorenzo Pellegrini corner kick. 
that Tatu Ran- Ranasu, my friend, <laughs> again, uh, completely whiffed on, allowing Ed and Jacko to beat Romagnoli to the header. It was a great corner from Pellegrini. I know he gets criticized there sometimes for some poor corners, but this one was put on a plate for Jekko once the goalie whiffed on it. And other than that, in the first half, the closest anybody came was Milan with a header off the post in about the 30th minute. I believe that was Simon Kayer, our old Roma friend. Yep. Um, enemy tonight, he put one off the post, so Roma dodged a bullet there. Uh, Antonio Mirante continued to play well, as we've seen in recent matches, had another couple saves in the first half, and we went into the half level uh, at one. And then again, you know, Milan came out and scored early. Um, this time it was Alexis Salamakers off of uh, another Rafael Leao assist. Uh, I know my buddy David, who was on with me on uh, the preview episode from Milan Club Philly, said he wanted to see Leao step up, and he sure did tonight for Milan, assisting the second goal as well. Um, that was a mistake from Karsdorp, which, again, we'll revisit. So, again, this was an, a place where an unexpected starter had a negative impact on the match for his side. Um, later in the match, Roma, you know, kept it at 2-1 for a while, and then they were given a bit of a gift of a penalty, we'll say, when Pedro collided with uh, Benacer going for a loose ball in the box. It looked like Benacer beat Pedro to the ball, but the referee saw it in Roma's favor. He went down, and Jordan Vertu stepped up to the penalty spot, and as he usually does, he slotted it home to tie the match in the 71st minute. Uh, and not too long later, which maybe I guess we should have expected, there was a bit of a makeup call on the other end when Gianluca Mancini, uh, and we'll put this in quotations, brought down, um, <laughs> who was it in the box? Uh, it was uh, Chalanoglu. Chalanoglu in the box, yeah. and uh, I loosely used the term brought down. He His leg was high, Mancini barely made contact, um, and uh, Giacomelli, the referee, decided to give Milan a penalty, which course lots on Ibrahimovic you know fired home to make it 3-2 so Roma found themselves down for the third time in the match but again corner kicks played a big part and this time it was Marash Kambula or Max Kambula uh, knocking home a uh, cross from Vertu that was slightly deflected by a high leg from Ibra. Ibra didn't get his leg high enough even with his uh, you know karate kicks that he usually performs on the pitch got through Mm -hmm. to Kambula who crashed hard at the back post and unmarked, found a way to put it in. A nice run from a center back who's not used to making those runs too often. And that's where the match would end at 3-3. So a lot of action, definitely some controversy. Uh, can't say it was really one way or the other because the penalties went both ways. Um, and just before we start to break down the match, just some penalties just to show how even this match really was in a lot of ways besides the three goals each. Um, in terms of shots, Milan, 13 shots, eight on target. Roma, 12 with seven on target. Possession was 54-46 Milan, which should be expected on the road to see a little bit of possession to Milan. Um, Milan, a bit more passes completed, 503 to 430, but the accuracy was about even for both sides, 86% to 85% in favor of Milan. Uh, Fouls were about even, 14 for Milan, 15 for Roma. Three Milan yellow cards to two for Roma. uh, Seven corners apiece. The only big difference was Milan got caught offside uh, seven times trying to make runs in behind the defense where Roma only was offside once. But, you know, pretty much as Sean and I were talking about before we came on, uh, even Steven in terms of stats, goals, um, pretty even game. I think Roma, for the most part, should be happy going into the San Siro, playing a Milan side that hasn't lost in 21 straight matches and pulling out a draw after being down three times. But uh, 
Sean, what do you uh, make of Roma giving up goals early in both halves? Uh, it's a good question. Uh, tonight, I found it hard to look at anything other than the wide men. I, I know just before we got on air, I brought it up with you twice. And it's probably going to be a, a nail I'm going to be hammering on a lot tonight. But uh, it's it just seems like Roma too soft on the flanks. And that's what was at the heart of both of these early goals tonight. You know, one was Leal being in a, in a position in a half space where you could pick him up sooner. I mean, a great final ball from Leal for the, for the, for the opening goal, but you could pick him up sooner and, and eliminate that danger. Roma didn't do that. And then in the second half, again, Leal just, you know, has cast off for breakfast. And um, they yeah, had the freedom of that flank. So, yeah, as you, as you mentioned, Roma basically gifted the, the lead in both halves and started on the back both times. Um, it's disappointing. But, uh, again, also, as you brought up, nice to see a Roma team that, as we've seen in games prior this season, keeps coming back, keep, keeps coming back, determined to at least get a point. If, you know, and and with, if it wasn't for that one Verona game that was decided away from the pitch, we'd still be unbeaten this season. Yeah, that's a great point too. And, uh, you know, we see, we have that loss in the loss column, but Roma is unbeaten on the pitch. So just as Milan's unbeaten on the pitch, Roma's unbeaten on the pitch as well. Yeah. Um, they do have the loss from the Verona match and they have drawn a, a couple more times than Milan has now. But Roma continues to get results. Um, yeah, I hope that these early goals don't become a trend because uh, midweek in the Europa League, they gave up a penalty kick in the 14th minute and early in that Benevento game last week. And even though they won that match 5-2, uh, Gianluca Caprari struck them early. So I hope yeah. that doesn't become a trend for Roma. But do you, do, you see, do you see something behind it? Is there another reason? I don't know if it's, you know, today I, I, I agree with you. I think Ebra's goal was just a great touch by Ebra. But again, if Leal gets picked up earlier, he's not allowed to make that pass over the top you know they don't yeah. score that goal early that's you know um he put it in a perfect spot so credit to him and credit to Ibra for making it happen but yeah Roma's got to pick that that up early for sure the one in the second half uh you're absolutely right it, oh, it all comes down the car's door you know um the Benevento goal it was a wicked deflection you live with that the goals tonight yeah. were you know more on Roma than they were on uh you know something out of their control um, besides Ebert. Again, the, with that with that Benevento goal, that again started from the right flank where mm-hmm. it's uh, it's a Benevento player cutting in. And I, I'm not sure if they, they came from long balls from the back in, in all three circumstances, just dumping into that to that flank, which is what you typically associate with three at the back. You get that, that weakness on, on the flanks where yep. uh, you know, if, you're, if, you're full, if your wide players push up too far and they're too far away from your centre-backs, you know, opponents will try and hurt you with that long ball to the flank. So, it it could just be uh, an inherent weakness of formation, but um, maybe we have to talk about Roma pushing up too fast before that that back line can actually keep up with them. Yeah, and that's a good point, especially because the especially the first goal very early in the the match. You know, you're pushing up that high without establishing yeah. your shape first, left that yeah. opening for Ebra to get in behind, and kind of left Kambula on an island and Mirante on an island on that ball over the top. Yeah. Um, which brings us back to Rick Karsdorp. To me, that was uh, when I saw the starting lineup. I was just you know, finishing up with work. I saw the lineup, and everything, like I said, looked as expected except for Karsdorp. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm thinking Fonseca went that route because he wanted a player that could push the flank and maybe pin Teo Hernandez back a bit. Exactly. Um, 
which Hernandez didn't get up as much as you would expect him to uh, for the most part in the first half, I think. But at the same time, uh, Karzorp did hurt Roma defensively, which is always the danger there. It wasn't necessarily Hernandez that hurt him, but he did get beat by Leao on this, the second goal. Um, to, for me, I would have probably gone with Santoni. He's been playing well defensively for Roma, in my opinion. He hasn't really done anything to hurt them. He may not push the flank as much as a Karsdorp or Bruno Perez does, but you know he provides that defensive stability, um, which I think would have been big to maybe negate, especially that second goal. What do you think about uh, Karsdorp start, starting, Sean? I, I think it's exactly as he said. He he wanted to try and win that mental battle for dominance of the flanks. Uh, we've seen that in, well, pretty much since he's switched to three at the back. Uh, we saw it in the Sevilla game. He played for dominance and, and lost thoroughly in, in that Sevilla game. Um, tonight, you'd have to say, and no one really won domination of the flanks, really. Uh, but it did, certainly didn't go Roma's way. You know, we didn't keep them pegged back like, like he'd hoped we would. Um, he was looking for his wide men to, you know, have that prowess on the ball that makes makes Milan think twice about getting forward, makes them start to drop back deep. It didn't happen, but I'd say if you start someone like a Santon in this game, it goes back to what we spoke about a couple of episodes earlier, where the team starts playing uh, asymmetric football, very imbalanced, and then what you have is you have someone like Mateo Hernandez with the freedom to, to actually run out, like pick up steam and run up, up the flank. And, you know, that can mentally play into, into the insecurities in your team when, when you start to see, well, why, why do Milan have so much space to just run at us? And then you start to drop deep. It's a, it's a mental side of the game that um, Fonseca, in my opinion, hasn't really been given the ideal men to win that battle so far. But he's got to work with what he has. And, uh, okay, the decision to start cast up tonight is a contentious one. It didn't play out like we wanted it to, but... What what can we do? You, you can't, you know. Either you give in and you play Santon every game, and you, you know you look for that defensive solidity, but you you give up that mental battle before it's even started, or you try and build up Karsdorp or Bruno Perez to to the level that you want. And, you know, I I know people would expect us to get on air and just hammer it, Karsdorp, and call him the weak point in this team, but I did see in the first half. I remember there was a a period of play where. Um, I believe it was Mancini moved up from the center line and got into that sort of like that, that space between defense and midfield on the ball. Um, he wanted Roma to play it much faster there. And what I saw from Karsdorp was he, he pushed up into the Milan half to try and give the Roma's attack that whip where Mancini had the freedom of options to really pass it fast along you know, to the front line. And that's essentially what Fonseca wants from his wide men in those phases of the play. You know, not all the time. You don't want to mindlessly get forward and, and leave the, the back door open. But I saw from tonight that Rick Karstop does understand the attacking side of what Fonseca wants from his fullbacks. And even, you know, didn't even stop at that. He, he was, Karstop was playing nice uh, exchanges of the ball with his, with his uh, midfielders along, all along that line when he had the confidence in the first half. Unfortunately, the confidence you could see start to drain away from Rick as the game went on. But, uh, you know, the Dutchman does have a, an understanding of what Carlos, uh, sorry, of what Fonseca wants from his team in terms of attacking wide play. Uh, it's just that you know, the defense is is so lacking that it, it just doesn't pay off right now. Yeah, and you know I understand what you're saying. How you might want to win that mental battle, and Teo Hernandez didn't have his 
you know, most impressive match from what I've seen mm. from him. He's re- he could be really dangerous down that left side. Yeah. And I'm thinking if he wanted to go attacking, when I was writing my projected formation pieces, I was, I was thinking it was down to Santone or Perez, but he went with Karsdorp. Do you think he went with Karsdorp more over Perez because they're both attack-minded, but Karsdorp offers more of a physical presence against a big fullback like Hernandez? Possibly. I mean, who who was playing on the on the opposite flank? It was Calabria and... Oh, yeah. Um, Salamakers are on the the opposite flank. Um, yeah, okay. So I imagine that they're, they're crossing into Leal, who who can be, you know, he can get up in the air as far as I've seen. I haven't really seen him play too much. So in theory, you know, you've got a tall guy in Castorp who can, like, offer you that that strength in the air on the, on the right side, but he's been so bad at heading in his Roma career that I, I don't really want to pretend like we've seen great you know, aerial performances from Rick Castorp. It's just that, you know, he... Physically, like you said, he's got all the tools. Um, it's just about hooking it up in terms of seeing the danger coming ahead of time and, and really getting back, um, tracking back with the team. You know, we saw Karsdorp today laboring to get back at times. Really, like, he'd, he'd run up, Romo would lose possession deep in Milan's half, and Karsdorp would spend seconds wondering about, you know, what went wrong instead of just getting back. Uh, we've seen that from Bruno Perez as well. So, you know, short of Roma off the pitch doing something about this. It's really Fonseca. This is what Fonseca's left with. Yeah, and we'll come back to the wide men a little bit later because that would, that's definitely something uh, we yeah, want to talk about. running theme. Key, yeah, running theme we'll talk about in our key takeaways. But it wasn't all bad, of course, because Roma did pull a point out at the San Siro to a previously unbeaten Milan, top of the table Milan so far. And there were some players that really stood out. To me, my man of the match for Roma, I think, has to be Lorenzo Pellegrini. Um, you know, we, he got a lot of flack last season. Um, you know, he wasn't as impressive as we had hoped. He's, you know, he gets a lot of extra pressure being the next Roman on the team, uh, being the vice captain now after some other players have moved on. He's Jekyll's vice captain, uh, for all intents and purposes. But tonight, Lorenzo Pellegrini playing as more of a Mediano role, I guess you would call it, Sean, next to Vertu. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Predominantly. Yes. Yeah. So he had a very strong game. Uh, he assisted, of course, Jekyll's goal with a beautiful cross uh, from a corner kick. He had 62 touches, which let me just double check, but I believe that was the most on the team. Yep, 62 led the team in touches, just a couple more than Roger Ibanez. He completed 91.8% of his passes, uh, so a very good passing percentage. He had one shot on target, three key passes, two aerials, one, which is not something you really expect from him. Um, and then he did have the assist, like I said, and defensively, he actually had five interceptions and a clearance. So for a player who's not really looked at as a defensive player, uh, he had a fairly strong defensive game in the field with those five, uh, interceptions. Um, just going back to his passing, uh, three accurate crosses of his five crosses put in, uh, and one accurate long ball out of the two he, he attempted. So I thought a very strong game from Pellegrini. I think he's really been one of the quiet, um, you know, players this season in terms of doing very well so far in the first five matches without really standing out. But he's been doing things that maybe go into the radar um, because yeah. he's expected to be that guy who was dishing out the assist last season, maybe scoring some goals. He hasn't brought the goal scoring he had in Sassuolo. But um, what do you make of his performance tonight? Well, maybe he put that expectation on himself to be that Refinatore, mm-hmm. that, that guy, the key man in the final third who finds that last ball. Well, what we've been asking for, or what his, his critics have been asking for, is just doing more of the simple stuff that would help the team. And as you said, 
tonight we saw that. You know, we didn't see uh, Pellegrini trying to be the star performer, but really just the, the guy who's quietly coming to the ball and stringing, helping the team come to the ball of 90 minutes and, and stringing the the midfield and attack and the defence at times together. So what I noticed was, one, we played a very weird game shape. It, in fact, Milan played a weird game shape as well in the first half where it was almost like we were both playing in banks of two where you had like five men along the defensive line and then you know five yeah five men along the attack line and and rarely was there anyone actually playing the the third line in midfield other than Lorenzo Pellegrini who who would actually take it you know they take that responsibility to actually be the you know the messenger between the both lines um if it wasn't for him Roma would have looked a lot more dis well the, Roma didn't look disjointed tonight but they would have without him because I I gotta say it's another poor performance from Jordan Vertu um other than Vertu putting away the penalty, I didn't see anything from the Frenchman tonight. So in the absence of him, it was really after Pellegrini to you know to keep the team together. And as he said, for me, man of the match easily. And another thing I've got to say is that his his uh, corners are back to their best. We knew in his first season with, with Roma that he could put in a nice set piece. Uh, for some reason, that, that side of his game went away for a long time. But uh, in the last couple of games, we've seen Pellegrini is back to taking great set pieces, beautiful deliveries inside the box. One that brought out goal and uh, others that easily could have uh, you know, brought out more goals for Roma. Yeah, I, I agree. I think he's been very good. And, um, you know, this gives Fonseca more options now because especially with D.O.R. out with COVID for as long as he's been out, this gives us another solid central type midfielder that we yeah. might not have expected to have. We, we probably would have expected to have to rely on Gonzalo VR a lot more than we have. Mm. Um, some people may want to see him play more. I'd like to see him play a little bit more, but, you know, it helps to have that veteran. You know, Pellegrini now at 24 is a veteran, and uh, it's, it helps to see him play center mid. And one thing I, I think, and you could correct me if I'm wrong because you're better with the tactics, but sitting further back, it, you know, dissuades him, I think, from drifting out wide when he plays that three-cortista role. He tends yeah. to drift out wide a lot more than I think he yeah. should as that central attacking player. And I think this has helped him stay uh, more stable in the center of the midfield. Yeah. He's, he, he got used to doing that drifting out wide under Di Francesco at both mm-hmm. Sassuolo and Roma, because when you, when you're playing in that final third, you, you want to try and um, you want to try and drag defenders with you. So either he's dragging a defender wide with him so that someone else can play that vertical ball through the middle mm-hmm. or if no one tracking him, then he's the free man from out wide and he can you know, float the ball in the box. Um, but yeah, and, and he even said for himself that he loves playing Tecartista because there were less tactical instructions individually for him and he could just do what he wanted. So yeah. It was kind of like a free role. Whereas now with that extra defensive duty, there's, there's less freedom. He has, to, he has to worry about more in the game. So there's, there's, not, there's not as much that he can um, take upon himself to do without taking his cues from other teammates. And from that, you get a Lorenzo that's more inclined to pace himself, more inclined to take um, more than just one touch, uh, less one-touch football. Um, you know, some people might say you want you want someone who can play one-touch all the time. But I think in Pellegrini's case, if he's really going to build up his confidence to to stay in this Roma side, he needs to just pace himself and, um, you know, just do the simple things like we said. Yeah. And you, you had mentioned Vertu. Uh, I agree, not his strongest performance. He's been quiet the past couple of matches. In fact, tonight, mm-hmm. especially from a defensive side, which is what, kind of what you would expect from him, especially with Pellegrini as his partner, he had no tackles. 
uh, no interceptions, no clearances, just one block shot. So yeah. certainly not and, the Vertu you expect. And, and culpable for that early goal in the second half when, when you got Leal cutting it back to Salamakis free in the box. You know, why is Salamakis free? It's because you see Vertu behind him who's failed to track him back. So I have to pin that on the Frenchman. Yeah. So going forward, I don't know, you know, Diawara should be coming back soon. You'd think he's been out for a while. Maybe we see the possibility of a Pellegrini-Diawara uh, pairing one match. Maybe, maybe. Uh, going forward. Another player who's, who's been great for Roma, stepped in, unexpected starter this season is Antonio Mirante, um, 37 years old now, talk of a, a contract renewal and for good reason. Uh, he just continues to step up. Yes, Roma conceded three goals tonight, but I, I find it hard to fault him on any of those three. And he made <laughs> yeah. a couple huge shaves. Um, you know, he got bailed out by the post on that one header. Again, would have been hard to pin that on him if it did go in. But, you know, he made a big save on, I believe it was Leao late in the, the match on the, yeah. the point blank header. He had, was in a great position, got his hands up, yeah. got a save, made a couple saves in the first half. I mean, Mirante is, and you know, Paul Lopez probably gets to start Thursday just because it's the Europa League and it looks like Fonseca is going to rotate there. But other than that, I, I find it hard to see Mirante losing his place in the, the Serie A matches at this point. Yep, agreed. Uh, there's really nothing nothing you can say too deep about a goalkeeper performance. But I mean, that's probably, that's probably a good thing. When you can't say much about the keeper, he's done great. And Mirante, I, in the man in the match poll tonight in the, in the final whistle, Fred, the only Roma two, two Roma players we mentioned as our possible uh, match candidates were Lorenzo Pellegrini and Antonio Mirante. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and if Pellegrini wasn't so strong, I think Mirante's man of the match again, and he's he's been yeah. you know a candidate most matches. Um, another player who I thought had a strong game was Max Cambula, the the twenty year old defender who Roma got on that you know surprise move this summer has really started to look good. Um, you know, he, some may blame him for the first goal. Ebra did get behind him on that ball over the top from Leal. Um, you know, it was a case of Ebra being Ebra and just having a, you know, cool finish, uh, slotting it past Mirante. But Kambula didn't put his head down. He bounced back, I thought, nicely from there. Put in mm-hmm. a strong shift defensively with uh, four clearances, two interceptions, a tackle. Uh, of course, the game-winning – or game – not game-winning, right? I wish it was game-winning, but game-tying goal. Um, he drew three fouls when he was on the ball. Um, 84% passing percentage with 56 touches for a, a center back is a strong number. Um, yeah. Comparable to Ibanez tonight, Ibanez had 60 touches, a little bit better passing percentage. But, you know, I thought Kambula held his own in this young, this young trio. Kambula was, was very strong. So was Ibanez. Um, what do you make of Kambula so far, uh, Sean? I mean, you, you saw more than me. I, I only had one eye on this game and one eye on typing the, the post-match up. So I, I didn't get to pay as much attention as, I, as I'd normally would. Uh, but I agree. I, I like the fact that he bounced back. You know, I, I don't blame him for the first goal. I just I feel, I feel like giving more credit to Liao for just a perfectly you know, deft um, ball up over the top that, is like, like you said before the air, put into no man's land where you, you can't quite pick it up either way. Um, I, I didn't. I didn't really notice Kumbala for the for the rest of the match. Um, again, some would say that's that's what you want to hear from a centre half. But as you said, he took fifty six touches of the ball, so clearly not afraid to to join in in Roma's possession game, and uh, comes up with a goal. I, I'd only say uh, one thing that's been said about Kumbala that is uh, I disagree with is people keep saying he's he's been he's been a steal from Verona, but uh, we've seen. Um, one of the, the players that we gave away, and we gave away three players on top of the cash, was uh, Kenche Lieri, 
He has already scored a one goal, one to goal for Verona Primavera, and we don't know how these three players are going to turn out. You know, it's not, we we crafted this deal in a nice way where it looks inexpensive, but uh, really and truly, you know, Kumbula could could by rights be our club record signing. So my only point is that he has to be good. You know, <laughs> we we paid the price for him, um, but he's he's turning up. He's showing up so far. He's delivering the goods. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, that that deal that Roma made with Verona kind of reminds me of some of the deals you'll see in American sports where teams, you know, will trade prospects, especially in baseball, yeah. for you know or, uh, an established or star picks. or draft yeah. picks, and then they turn into you know a, a bigger star later on down the road. So we yeah. don't know if Cancellieri or or um, Satine or anybody will turn out to be better than Kambula. Kambula looks like he'll be a solid player for Roma, but yeah. Definitely, you could talk about it as not being a steal until we see later down the road. I think that's a good yeah. point you make there. Um, so th- those, to me, were the three players that stood out. I thought Ibani's also had a strong game. He's, you know, we've talked about him in the past. He's established himself as, you know, kind of a constant in the Roma back line. The leader. Yeah, the leader of the back line. Yeah. Um, Smalling should be back for Thursday's Europa League match. So I think one of these three will get a, a well-deserved rest after um, – mm-hmm. Ibanez took that blow to the head late in the match, had some blood. He looked like yeah. he may have been a little shaken up. Maybe he deserved it. Finally, finally pressed the, the pedal a little bit too hard. Yeah. <laughs> he made des- – and that was, uh, you know, his own man imposed yeah. that uh, knock on him. So he may deserve a rest on uh, Thursday. But it'll be interesting to see uh, where Fonseca goes on Thursday and then again on uh, Sunday against Fiorentina with uh, Smalling back because – He's got some. He's got a good problem. We talked about it with Brent a couple episodes ago. It's a good problem to have to have four yeah. strong players at one position when you only need three a, a match. Yeah, and it's uh, for choice, we wish we had that problem on the flanks, uh, which we'll talk about. <laughs> soon. So some of our key t- takeaways. I think the big one was Roma coming back from being down a goal three times. They were down one nothing early, came back and tied it. They were down two one, got the penalty to tie, it, and then they were you know giving away that kind of you know, return call penalty where they, you know, the ref was like, you know, I screwed up. Let me give one back to Milan. Soft penalty. And Roma bounced back a third time late in the match. To, they didn't, they never backed down. To me, that mental toughness is something we've always talked about with Roma or lack thereof. And I think they're starting mm-hmm. to show more of a mental toughness under Fonseca. We saw it against Juve where they gave up a tying goal on Ronaldo's penalty. They bounced right back and scored a go-ahead goal. Um they bounced back against Benevento. They, they got an unlucky break early in the match. They bounced back and put up five on Benevento. Um, they kind of grinded out the result against Udinese, one nothing, And even the Europa League match, tough conditions, mostly reserves playing. The team held on to, you know, down one nothing, And then late in the match, they had the toughness to not mail it in and say, okay, this is just the Europa League. They came back and won 2-1. So, uh, I, I see a, a new mental toughness. I hope it sticks around, and this is something that Fonseca is instilling in the team and maybe veterans like Pedro are instilling into the team. Do you see the same thing, uh, Sean? Yeah, I've seen it from last season. Uh, it wasn't there always last season, but it, it was it was there in the background. I think credit to Petraki for that. So, uh, you know, he is, he's clearly signed players who uh, maybe we can't outright say they, they want to win, but they definitely don't want to lose. Yes. Um, you know, we whenever they go down, you see that determination, like you said. Um, it would be nice though if they took it to that to that next level where they they want to win. You know, from the get go, um, it's you know, it, it, people who don't like Fonseca will, will have a valid point here, where they'll say, "Well, what if we're just straying into Rudy Garcia territory, where okay, we we fight back when our backs are against the wall and we're down on the scoreline, but do we ever really take the game to them when when we're when we're level?" 
Yeah, that's a good point, especially because even a team like Benevento, it took Roma a while to really take it to them. It took them yeah. being down a goal and then finally finding their way a little bit later in the first half. Uh, so that that's a, something I would look for. And it might be hard to see against CSK Sofia on Thursday because I would expect a lot of turnover again. But maybe against Fiorentina or the, the match after that is a, a, a weaker opponent, I believe, if I remember the schedule. I can't remember off the top of my head. But it's not a team on that same level. So those are the kind of games that you really need to see Roma take it to somebody, like Sean said. Uh, it's good to have mental toughness to come back, but you also want it starting out. And that's something Roma is going to have to, uh, to look for. Yeah, we, we got Cluj after Fiorentina, and then we're away to Genoa. Ah, so Genoa. So, and Genoa is not, not a cakewalk, but definitely not in the level of a Milan or probably a Fiorentina at this point. So, you yeah. know, and even Fiorentina is a game that Roma, I think, should look to, you know, take it to them. We'll probably talk about Fiorentina later in the week, but a team that has many kinks in their own armor, and I think Roma should look to take a match to them, especially playing at home. Um, yeah, in our, in our next yeah. two domestic games, Fiorentina and Genoa, you know, those are teams that try and play open attacking football. So mm-hmm. the game is there to be won um, yeah. from the get-go. Yeah. yeah. Um, one thing that you had mentioned when we were talking earlier, Sean, one of your key takeaways was too much cat and mouse tactics from Fonseca. What do you mean by that? Yeah, I just mean, I mean, pretty much follows on from what we've just been saying. That, uh, you know, I saw this game at nil-nil, one-all and two-all. Uh, you saw Roma dropping back. I mean, I understood why on, on one point, which is, with with the the flank battle, um, you know, Roma saw Milan was were finding joy getting crosses in from the wide areas, so they really had no choice but to drop back from Milan's backline, not press Milan, and uh, instead you know stand back and try and defend those flanks so that they could try and trap the ball out wide and gain back possession, and that that made sense to me. But you don't want to overdo it. I mean, we saw we you know our back three was a back five for most of the first half. I just felt like we showed too much respect to Milan. That was actually my original headline in the post-match. Uh, my editor, our editor, Brent, uh, changed it to, to focus on the referee. But uh, I, I really felt like we showed too much respect to Milan when, when the scoreline was level. I would have liked to, us to, to step it up a gear and take it to them. Um, I don't know how you feel about it, but I, I feel that uh, we play too much counter-attacking football under Fonseca and not enough outright attacking football or, or dominant football. You know, we haven't seen the possession, the dominant possession side of, of this football that we've been promised from this coach so far. Yeah, and, and going back to what you said, how it looked like we were playing a five-man back line, the whole point of playing players like Spinazzola and then starting Karsdorp on the right, I would think, is to push those flanks. Push if you're, if you're exactly. playing five back, you're, you might as well start Santon uh, on the yeah. right, you know? So, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, we haven't really seen the possession football that I expected from, from Seca either, like you said, especially even against some of the smaller sides. I think we, we should be dominating more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought we did show Milan a bit of respect, uh, you know, going to the San Siro. They treated it like a, a road match against like a Milan from, you know, back in the heyday Milan yeah, rather yeah. than, um, you know, a Milan that's just on the rise. You know, I think Roma can yeah. play with these teams. They've showed they could play with Juve this year. You know, it's a different Juve under Pirlo so far. They've shown they could play with Milan. But I think yeah. you're right. They have to, like we talked about, that mental toughness, now have that killer instinct and uh, be the aggressor a little bit more often, I, I guess, is something we could say. Yeah, because like he said um, at the beginning of this episode, you know, these, these are technically two undefeated teams on the pitch right now. Mm-hmm. And yet Milan's leading the table and Roma are down in ninth. Yeah, that something has to be there has to be a difference there, and I think it's that killer instinct that we, like you just mentioned, we don't we don't haven't shown enough of that so far. 
Yeah, and I think the killer instinct goes back to the Juve match where they were up 2-1, uh, up a man, yeah. and they really should have killed that game, that match off, and they didn't. And it exactly. came back to bite them. And then, uh, you know, today they came back, so it almost feels more like a point gain than a two points drop because of the, the way the match played out. But I think, uh, to me, when it went 2-2 after the Vera 2 penalty, I wanted to see a little more aggression. Yeah. Where, you know, Milan got a bad call, clearly a bad call against them. I'm not denying that. I even tweeted in response to uh, Brent's tweet that, you know, to me, if, if that had gone the other way, I would have been, I would have been fuming if, pissed, if that was, yeah. you know, called against Roma. And I texted one of my buddies and said, you know, this is where they need to go at him now. They need to really attack him. You know, mentally, they have the advantage. But then the makeup call came about eight minutes later and Roma didn't get to take advantage. But even in those eight minutes, I didn't see Roma really go for the jugular where they could have and really put Milan on their backs and going up 3-2. So Mm -hmm. I think that's definitely something we'll have to look for. So I do like the mental toughness we saw in the comebacks so far. But definitely we need that, that more aggressive killer instinct, I think. And uh that goes back to even what we talked about in past episodes where they're not putting enough shots on target. They're not really going for goal enough, things like that. I think they need that mm. hunger and that, that drive, I think. Yeah. Um, Otherwise we end up in the same territory that brought yeah. down Rudy Garcia. You know, we, we mm-hmm. were, we were mid table with him by the time he was fired. And it was for the same reasons. We were drawing too many games, not enough wins. You know, we, we were, we were hard to beat, but we, we, we just didn't show that desire to win. Yeah, and I, I think this league this year is open enough for us to at least make a push for the top four. We've seen yeah. Adelanta slip up already. We've seen Juve slip up plenty. Lazio does not look like the same team as last year. Uh, Napoli looks strong. Their only loss, of course, was off the pitch to Juve. But uh, I think there's plenty of opportunity if Roma does their part against some of these bigger teams, they can do better than they did with their fifth-place finish last season. Yeah. Um, and then just our last key takeaway, we had talked about the wide men. Uh, one of the wide men, I, you know, I've been on the Spinazzola bandwagon since they switched to the 3-5-2, but tonight wasn't his strongest match. It looked like Calabria took him out of the, the match of, for the most part going forward. Um, and then we had already talked about Karsdorp was, was not great outside of those couple little things that Sean mentioned. Bruno Perez, when he came in, not too much going forward. What did you see from the wide men, Sean? He was, Perez is okay. He was okay. I mean, I saw him contest the uh, layout with a ball at death where it wasn't wasn't great, but for, for Bruno Perez, it was an improvement by far. Yeah. Um, I, I'm i not as sold as, on Spinazzola as, as a lot of people are. Um, I, I know that you're in good company when it comes to praising Spinazzola. Like I, I've seen good final balls from him early in games, early in the first halves of matches where he, he will get to the, to the final third and cut it back and, and put it on the sixpence for people. And I can't take that away from him. Credit to him for that. But uh, too many times now I've seen him just fade away in games. I, you know, has not shown that he has more than 45 in him for, for Roma in a Roma jersey, uh, other than that one intergame where for some karmic reason he had to balance it out by the end of the game by, you know, putting in a nice yeah. 90-minute performance by kicking Moses in the balls and conceding <laughs> that penalty. So, you know, I, you know, people say Spinazzola's been one of our best players this season, but boy, I mean, I think most of it is because he just looks that much better than what's on the right flank. That yeah. it, it makes him look good, you know. But I mean, we we desperately need some wide men that can that can really you know, dictate terms to the opponent. Because uh, as as I wrote in that in the post match recap, if we had strong wide men, and I mean physically strong as, as well as mentally tough, um, you know, opponents would feel like they have no choice but to try their luck through the middle. And Fonseca set up so many traps for us to to win that ball in the middle, to play around with it, to play around opponents through the middle. 
and to set us up on the counter when people make that mistake of playing through the middle against us, that would be in dreamland if we had that. But unfortunately, this is Roma. We're on a limited budget. We're not the biggest team in the land. So you've got to play with what you have. And uh, Fonseca just doesn't have the wide men that he wants right now. Yeah, imagine if Fonseca had Mike Cohen in that one season that he just <laughs> tore it up for Roma or like a yeah. Rise or a Digne or someone stronger on yeah. the left. I mean, his system would just work so much better. We, we saw with Shakhtar, he loves those wide men that can just bomb forward but also defend. Yeah. And he's certainly lacking that. Uh, Spinazzola has been a you know pretty good bombing forward, not so much tonight. Um, and then the right side, I mean, it's pick your poison. Do we, you know, play asymmetrical with Santone, who can defend well and not really mm-hmm. attack? Or do we give it a go with Perez or Karsdorf and hope we don't get caught out, you know, in defense, which we did tonight. So it's definitely tough. Hopefully they'll be able to address that. I mean, hopefully maybe a player like Ricardo Calafiori, you know, develops a bit on the left because he seems yeah. to be that physical presence. Uh, his one appearance last year was pretty good. He's been out with COVID, so it's a, a bit unfortunate he doesn't get to play against, like, some of these Europa League-type teams. Um, yeah. The, 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 these early Europa League matches would have been perfect to build on yeah. Calfdory. Yeah. Someone like him, maybe David Boa comes back from his loan next season. Maybe he can, you know, do something because we know Roma's on a budget and they're not going to spend 30, 40 million euros on a right or yeah. left back at this point. Um, yeah, which unfortunately in today's game is, is what you need for, yeah. for a top fullback. So, yeah. I mean, we saw what Spinazzola came here for. It was just about 30, exactly. 30 million. I mean, I, I know it was kind of a swap with uh, Luca Pellegrini, Pellegrini, but yeah, that's what they yeah, really go for these days. That's the price you pay for just to have a half decent, uh, you know, fullback or wideback. So yeah, it's, it might be beyond Roma's budget unless we draw one at home, like you're saying. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's a shame. It's, it, we're really like we're two players away from being a team that, in my opinion, would would be minimum top four, if not yeah. higher. Yeah, I think we have the roster and depth minus those fullbacks to being a, a, a fairly secure top four team, I, I think, based yeah. on what else I see in the league and uh, some of the other teams' weaknesses. Um, you know, it's only five matches in, so we'll see how the next five go maybe to get a better read on this team. But, yeah, if, I mean, fullbacks are definitely where whoever the new sporting director is, wherever, whenever they're going to be hired, <laughs> have to focus on whether it's developing Calafiori a little bit more so hopefully maybe he could get matches against like the Las Spezias of the world or, uh, you know, Copa Italia's or maybe he gets some Europa League action. But I, I'd like to see what he could do out in the left, you know, at least to spell Spinazzola once in a while. Or maybe if Spinazzola's tired after 60 minutes, you get some fresh legs out there. Mm-hmm. Because with the five sub rule, there's no reason not to play young players like him or VR for 20, 30 minutes in the right match and still be able to bring on your more favorite subs, so to speak, if Fonsec has his favorites in certain matches. Um but definitely, I'm sure it's something we'll continue to talk about in future episodes. I don't see the, uh, the wide issue going away anytime no. soon. <laughs> so talking about future episodes coming up on Roma's calendar is CSK Sofia in the Europa League on Thursday. Um, they host them at the Olympico. Uh, Sofia lost to Cluj 2-0 on match day one. Uh, CSK Sofia is probably the weakest team in the group. So you would hope Roma can come out and win that one fairly comfortably, even with probably a... a a turnover, a heavy lineup. I would expect. Yeah, to see. I, I, I think I saw a headline that Sofia lost their their league game this weekend as well, so they're not in yeah. good form. So they're not in good form. Chance to jump on a weak team, maybe make it a little bit easier on themselves. Let those reserve type players play for Roma. Maybe Mayoral can build some confidence. VR players like that. Um, Chris Smalling will be the one to watch. He should be back. Fonseca said in his press conference for that one, which would be nice get him some time and maybe spell a player like Ibanez or Kambula or Mancini in the back, get that rotation going. 
Um, and then, you know, like I said, hopefully those young players get to, you know, show what they've got and build some confidence. Cause I think that's the biggest thing with this Europa league group that we have is to get some of those guys on the pitch uh, a little more than they might get in Serie A. Um, and then after that on the weekend on Saturday, noon Eastern, I guess it'll be uh six, 1800 hours European time, central European time will be Fiorentina. I also believe at the Olympico. So a nice little home stretch for Roma to hopefully mm-hmm. get a couple more wins and build some more confidence. And, uh, We'll be back a to good, talk good, about those. Good team, though, Fiorentina. So, yep. you know, wouldn't, wouldn't discount them. Yeah, it'll be team. interesting, and we'll talk more about them later in the week, I'm sure. But seeing how we deal with a player like Castrovilli will be interesting. I think he's a, yeah, he's, he's a strong he's midfielder. A magician on the ball. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, Sean, any uh, closing thoughts before we leave? Nope. I'm wiped out from today. So, I just pray that we can somehow find uh, find that that inner inner Karlsdorp that's that's lying in Rick or that, that inner Bruno to come out of Perez and, and find that solution on the right flank because this is what we have right now and I don't like tearing down the players that we have on our roster. I prefer just to build them up. Um hopefully one of them finds something to build on. Like like Lorenzo P- Pellegrini has today. You know, we, we were ready to to wonder if he his career was adrift for forever and, and he's made to come back. So why not someone else? I agree. I, you know, we're, we have what we have, and there's no point in tearing someone down if we can hopefully build them up to be something a little bit more than they are and help the team. Because, like you yeah. said, Pellegrini players like that, maybe a Cristante, have their games where they step up, and you know, it helps the team. And if we can get that from Karsdorp or Perez or whoever it may be, it, it only benefits Roma. So, uh, we'll leave you guys with that. You know, like I said, uh, Sophia on Thursday. We should be back sometime after that for uh, our Fiorentina preview. So uh, thanks again for listening. Be sure to subscribe and rate us on all the major podcast platforms, and we'll talk to you guys later. Thanks again for tuning in.